0: Hello, and welcome back to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. It's the unofficial start of summer around here, which means there's also the potential for injuries from burns. Our guest today is Dr. John Griswold, Texas Tech Physicians, Burn Surgeon, and Medical Director for the Timothy J. Harner Burn Center. Dr. Griswold shares with us the kinds of burns he sees more often during the summer months and how we can avoid getting burned. He also tells us how to treat less severe burns at home and when we should head to the emergency room. Dr. Griswold, welcome back to our podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your expertise, and what you do at TTUHSC?
1: Well, as you mentioned, my, my name is John Griswold. I've been at the Health Science Center for quite a long time. I think this is my 32nd or 33rd year, so I've been here for most of my career. My training is as a surgeon, but sp- more specifically, I'm a burn surgeon. There aren't very many of us. As a matter of fact, I'm the only one in western Texas and all of New Mexico. And my role is to take care of burn-injured victims that come to our burn center here at Tech and UMC.
0: Well, again, thank you for coming on our podcast. What are the different types of burns, and which ones are most severe?
1: Most people are familiar with the, the degrees of burns, first, second, and third degree. First is the most mild, and that's really probably akin to a sunburn. Red skin, but no blistering or weeping of the wound. And sunburns, although they're uncomfortable, usually don't make people too sick, and they usually heal within a couple of days, usually by peeling. The next level, which is the mid or moderate level of burn injury, is a second-degree burn. And those are the typical blister burns that you might get if you spill some hot coffee on your skin, for instance. The blisters look similar to the blister that you would get if your shoes were too tight and rub a blister on your Mm -hmm. heel. Those are in the mid-level of the skin, and they are usually more painful because when the blister peels – all the nerve endings in our skin are kind of exposed and irritated. But the good news is that those will also heal, not as quickly as a sunburn, usually in about a week, maybe 10 days. And the care for those are pretty simple, with just daily dressing changes that we could talk Mm -hmm. about maybe in a little bit. And then the worst is a third-degree burn. Now, a third-degree burn goes through all the layers of the skin, and those burns actually will not heal without surgery. So we actually have to operate on patients, take them to the operating room, remove the burned skin, and place new skin in its place.
0: So what are the types of burns that are more common during the summer?
1: Well, in in my experience and the things I think about, especially when people are asking me, you know, what do we do to protect ourselves? It's really probably three categories. First is the outdoor activities, and so exposure to the sun. And we've actually had patients who have had such bad sunburns that they've had to be admitted to the burn center. So sunburn would be one category. The second is a lot of the recreational activities that are outside oftentimes involve heat or flames like barbecuing or building a, a bonfire or, or a campfire or something like that. And so being injured um, from heat heat, Heating a heat environment that is related to the recreation activities that are being done outside. And then, of course, in the middle of the summer, we have 4th of July. And so fireworks around that time, it really, we call it a 4th of July season because for us, seeing patients who are injured from fireworks usually starts about two to three weeks before 4th of July and usually continues for about two to three weeks after the 4th of July. So it's about a four to six-week period where we start to see the firework injury. So there's a, those are probably the three main categories that happen in the summer that are different than other parts of the year.
0: What are the causes of the most severe burns? For example, you mentioned maybe barbecuing or fireworks, car accidents or steam or anything like that?
1: Well, uh, really, uh, of those three categories, the ones that cause the worst burns are the fireworks. To give you an example, a simple sparkler, if you measure the temperature at Right where the sparkler begins to shoot off the sparks, the temperature can be as high as 2,000 degrees. And so obviously that spark, as it kind of explodes off the sparkler, uh, will cool down. But it means that they can be very hot. And so just a simple firework thing like a sparkler can be very damaging. And plus they cause an explosion. So it's not just the heat, but the more uh, aggressive fireworks can actually damage tissue because it, it causes an explosion that tears the tissue. So most of those patients that we get from fireworks... Gosh, we've had patients that have lost their eyesight because of it, patients who have lost fingers and part of their hands because of it, and and even worse. Some of the other injuries, we've had little toddlers in strollers or car seats off to the side, and some of the shooting fireworks will shoot into the stroller and burn the children. So there, there's a lot of things that can happen in and around the fireworks. So what, what should we do? Well, there are a couple of things. The environment where the fireworks are being lit or fired off has to be protected, and someone who's experienced and responsible should be the one doing it, and all the other individuals around should be observers in a very safe distance, so well away from the fireworks, even if you aren't in Tending to have them shoot up or shoot shoot in a different direction, something can happen and it can fall over and spray towards the the observers, and especially the children. We want them well away from where the fireworks are being lit to give them the a really safe zone. And some people will say that you know that that needs to be a uh, hundred yards or more, so the length of a football field. Especially for young children, they still can enjoy the the show, but it'll put them in a safe environment. The other things, alcohol and fireworks do not mix. So, we really plead with everyone: please don't be drinking and be the one that's firing off the fireworks. That just just doesn't make sense. It's just an accident waiting to happen. And then, you know, just be conscious that some of the fireworks may not have ended their exploding or, or the or the um, shooting off the flames. And so, you want to really make wait until the firework is well done, you don't want to pick up a smoldering firework or, or something that didn't quite light to try and relight it, that's really dangerous because those are the um, injuries that where we have um, patients that come in with injured hands and such. So those are probably the main things, but it, the key is a responsible person lighting the fireworks well away from the observers and keeping people away at least 100 yards from where the fireworks are being lit.
0: So how are burns treated, and is there anything that we can keep at home to treat superficial burns?
1: Well, that's a great question. Burns that are in the first and second degree level, we treat with daily dressings, and those wounds like to be mildly moist. So we recommend an ointment and then a dry gauze on top of that ointment. Each day, the wound should be cleaned gently under you know, tepid or or tolerable lukewarm water, just letting the water run over the wound will actually remove most of the bacteria on the wound so you don't have to do a lot of scrubbing and scraping. And once that's done, you just pat the burn dry, squeeze the ointment on, and then a dry gauze Band-Aid or or gauze and and some kind of gauze wrap. The ointments we recommend are a couple, and they're probably pretty easy to get at a drugstore or even the grocery store. Most everyone's familiar with triple antibiotic. We call it neosporin. It's uh, one of the names of it. But the triple antibiotic is a pretty good first aid antibiotic to put on a a wound or cut. And uh, it's great for these burns. There's another one that doesn't have any antibiotics in it but it works great for burns called Aquaphor and it comes in a blue and white jar or tube and if you look at it you would think it would be vaseline but the difference between Aquaphor and vaseline is that Aquaphor is water soluble so every day when you wash it takes the film away some people do use vaseline and that's not necessarily terrible but it'll build up a film and make it so you can't clean the wound or the burn as well. So either Aquaphor, the non-antibiotic, or the triple antibiotic you can get it over the counter, don't have to have a prescription, using that daily and just kind of keeping the wound protected while the ointment's in its place. And those wounds will heal, like I mentioned, probably within a week.
0: So not butter.
1: Not not (laughs) butter. Yeah, that brings up another, reminds me of something else. A lot of people will talk about, well, should I cool it? Should I put ice on it? Should I run it under cold water? Well, actually, that's not going to hurt it. And any of us that have had a burn knows that if we do that, it it makes it feel better. So until you're waiting to get the ointment and the gauze, that also will cover the burn and make it feel better. But cooling it is fine. The burns we don't want people to cool have to do with burns that are bad enough that they need to come see us. So how do you tell what that is? Well, it's one, if you think you have a third degree burn, a really deep burn, a third degree burn doesn't hurt as bad as a second degree burn. So if you burn yourself and it doesn't hurt, that's a little bit worrisome. So that would be a burn that we would want to take a look at. But also, how much of the body surface is involved. If you look at your own hand from your wrist to the fingertips, that equals 1% of your body surface. If you have a burn bigger than your hand, you need to come to the emergency room so that it can be looked at and consider whether it needs to come to see us. So that's the size piece that people can kind of keep in mind, the size of their hand or the the person's hand that um, was burned. The other thing is special places if you get burned on the face, especially near the eyes or the mouth, if you do get hand burns those these are such important parts of our body that they take some special care. So we recommend um, the face, hands, over a joint, any of those things, even if they're small, people should go to their either their home, their family doctor, or the emergency center to be assessed to see if they need to come to the burn center
0: now we're It might be hard for some people to picture, but Out here where we're at, there's a lot of rural area and a lot of rural space, and it may take a while to get to the emergency room or to the family doctor. If we do get a burn where we need to go to the emergency room, how do we protect it in the meantime?
1: Yeah, so say it's a large enough burn that you don't have the ointment or things like that. The main thing is to keep it covered. Burns actually don't get infected for a couple of days, really, no matter what you do. So you don't have to have something really fancy or sterile. We just tell people, we even tell emergency centers, just cover it with a clean, dry sheet or blanket. That way, it'll keep the patient warm because one of the problems with burns of large size is... Patients can lose body temperature and get hypothermic, and so we want want the patient to be kept warm. We need a, just a dry sheet or blanket, and then if they're able to tolerate it, burn patients can get dehydrated easily, and so drinking a lot of liquids while you're trying to get to wherever the hospital or facility is that they're that going to assess how bad your injury is is pretty important.
0: Can an untreated burn cause further problems or infections?
1: Yes. And as I mentioned just now, a burn for a couple days doesn't really have much of a risk of infection. But if, if it's taking longer than a day or two to heal, which most burns do, if you don't do appropriate care to that burn, then you have a risk of infection. And so... We want a burn to heal within a couple days, a week at the most. And certainly, any of the bigger burns that we've talked about, the descriptions I've just given, those have to come to us so we can help speed the healing process. But the longer the burn stays open, the harder it is for the body to fight off infection and the bigger risk that there is that the wound will get infected. <laughs>
0: So you already went over some ways we can protect ourselves during fireworks, but is there any way we can protect ourselves from other types of burns?
1: Well, you know, the burns that happen during recreation, so uh, open fires or barbecues, it's almost like the same as the fireworks, but maybe even more important to discuss because people don't think about the the metal or iron structure of the barbecue being hot, but it is. And, you know, having people just... Um, too close to the barbecue, or especially young children wandering around that might just accidentally reach up and touch it, those can cause really, really deep burns. And so it's just like the fireworks. If you're barbecuing, it should be a responsible person and the rest of the group that's around should be kept well away from the fire, if it's an open fire or the barbecue. Um, The temperatures in those, especially if they're uh, being used for grilling food, they get quite hot. And you know, it could be just somebody that accidentally stumbles and, and either stumbles into the fire or stumbles against the Structure of the barbecue; those can cause very bad burns. Those burns almost always need to be admitted to the burn center. So, gosh, it would you would hate to ruin a, a family celebration by somebody having an injury. So, they just have to be. Everybody has to be cognizant that there's danger, potential danger around cooking uh, and barbecuing outdoors because of the heat and just do the responsible thing of telling people don't come near the barbecue while you're outside or or some way of keeping people away while those uh, fires are going or the barbecue is being heated. The other thing that we worry about is sunburn and just probably a couple of tips about that. Sunscreen is important when you're outside, and we have to remember that sometimes our clothing is not protective. If you've got, you know, a, a thin T-shirt or something on, you can easily get burned through that through that cloth. So it's, you still need to consider putting sunscreen on areas that have light weight clothing. The sunscreen or sunblock that level that we want is at least 25 SPF 25. You can get higher, but actually above 25, it doesn't really make that big of a difference. So if, if you get 50, it's not gonna be two times as strong as the 25, there's very little difference. But 20 you need at least 25 to really block out those ultraviolet rays. And then the second part of that is the sunscreen needs to be applied at least every 90 minutes to two hours. If you're gonna be out all day, just putting it on once isn't gonna work, especially if you're getting in a pool or you know in a situation where it might be washed off with activity. You want to be mindful of replacing or reapplying the sunscreen every uh, couple of hours.
0: Well, is there anything else that you'd like to add?
1: Well, first of all, I, I appreciate having the opportunity to to do this podcast because it's always kind of a sad thing when a family member comes in with a burn when they're trying to enjoy something with other family members in in the summer. And so it's worthwhile taking a couple of minutes to think about the environment, make sure everybody's safe so that you can go on to enjoy that celebration and not have it disrupted dramatically with somebody who gets injured. So try to take these tips to heart and, and have a great summer.
0: Well, thank you for sharing all this information with us, and we hope to have you back.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Trick is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by Tierra Castillo, Susana Cisneros, Mark Hendricks, Tyler White, Kay Williams, and me, Melissa Whitfield.